fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. One of the quintessential movies of 2019 is The Joker. And one of the great lines in the movie is when Joaquin Phoenix's Arthur Fleck says, is it just me or is it getting crazier out there? As we wind down 2019, a lot of us are thinking that right now, knowing that with an election looming, we're going to get even more crazy in 2020. Today, though, on the Glenn Beck program, we're going to peel the curtain back. What is the origin, and if I could use this term, genesis, for a lot of the crazy we're seeing? That's what we're going to be discussing here today on the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program. And greetings. Uh, You're going to find out today uh, that they're so desperate for holiday help around here. They're going to basically let anybody fill in to some of you uh will be a tad familiar because on blaze tv we do the show after glenn beck each day from at noon to two eastern you can get that at blaze tv you can get it at blaze radio you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes stitcher and google play for the rest of you my name is steve dace and my team with my daily show is here with me we're going to be filling in for glenn beck over the next couple of days you'll hear and see if you're watching on blaze tv uh you'll hear a across the country uh, as well, the voice of Todd Erzin, uh, as well as Aaron McIntyre. And what we want to do here uh, today and tomorrow is, you know, this is the time of year when I think a lot of us are kind of looking at the big picture. Not so much the day-to-day news of what's happening. In fact, a lot of times we're, 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 trying, we're trying to get away from that. And Um, We're looking at larger themes, looking back on the year. You get those notes in the mail, the Christmas updates from friends and family that you you didn't talk to enough all year round and get updated, and maybe you send those out as well. Uh, There's a lot of retrospectives this time of year, look backs on the the year that was, uh, the famous people who passed away, what were the major stories, the, the biggest movies, the biggest cultural trends. We want to take an even bigger picture view as we fill in over the next couple of days. And we are debating things. I don't have to tell if you're Glenn's audience. I don't have to tell you this. This is not breaking news to you. It's not a spoiler alert. We are debating things that if you are the generation ahead of me, I'm 46. Todd, what are you, 46 as well? 47? And then Aaron, you're 26, right? Correct. All right, so if, if you're the generation ahead of us, we are debating things now. And mainstreaming things now that would have been unthinkable in your lifetime. And in your lifetime, you've lived through some cultural upheaval. If you're the generation ahead of us, you you lived through the 60s, you lived through marches and bra burnings, sexual revolutions. But there was this notion, though, that in your youth, you challenged the, the status quo. The, the pre-existing authority. And maybe in your generation you went further than others have. But there was still this notion that eventually you would, you would grow up. You would, you would come home to some form of, of, of normalcy, of tradition. 
It might look different than other generations. It might be zanier than other generations. But there would still be some foundation there once you were done pushing the envelope. You wanted to push the edges of the envelope. You didn't want to rip it open. And you're living now long enough to see that the generations behind you are, are just bypassing the envelope pushing altogether. In fact, they're debating, um, if I could use my Beavis and Butthead voice, uh, what's an envelope? That's what they're debating now. What's a person? What's a male? What's a female? What's a border? Do we know what that is? What's a dollar? What's a what, what, what's anything? What does anything mean? And you can see the angst. You can see it in what's popular in our cultural trends. The number one movie of the year, which is great, by the way, but its subtitle is Endgame. <laughs> All right. Um, I've already quoted from The Joker, which is nihilism on parade, glorified. And if, if there is any movie line that best summarizes American culture, in 2019. It's when Robert De Niro's Johnny Carson wannabe character looks at Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and says, what, what is this? What is the point of this? You trying to make a political statement? I mean, he's a, he's a baby boomer, right? He, he's from an era where you did provocative things to make points, where Alice Cooper did Welcome to My Nightmare when he was in his 20s, and now he runs like a youth ministry for wayward kids in his 70s. He eventually grew up came back to some form of normalcy, albeit with too much eyeliner, but he came back to some form of normalcy. And now you're like, this, these generations aren't going to come back from the brick. They're going to go way over it. They're going to take us over it as well. And so that's Robert De Niro's character in The Joker. He's like, yeah, hey, I did some of this crazy stuff too when I was your age, went a little too far, smoked a little too much weed, drank a little too much. But, you know, we were trying to make a political statement. What, what are you doing here? What, what's your point? What do you believe in? And when Joaquin Phoenix's Joker looks into the camera and says, I don't believe in anything. That, folks, as you have lived through rape hoaxes of Supreme Court justices you didn't like, or they didn't like, and Russian collusion hoaxes and Ukrainian hoaxes. It's a hoax a minute nowadays. Jesse Smollett hoaxes. Now we've got people that are now doing hoaxes. Well, my kid got beat up uh, for being a right winger. That story, those are two stories now. Those hoaxes aren't true. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's hoaxes galore. That might be the new villain in the Bond movie, hoaxes galore. And you're wondering, how did we get here? That is... That's the mantra of America in 2019. I don't believe in anything. Now, we didn't get here overnight. This has been decades in the making. And what we're going to do over the course of this program uh, is, is we're going to peel back the curtain. 
We're going to let you see the spirit of the age operating behind the curtain. That the chaos you're witnessing is not coincidental. It's coordinated. That this has been long in the making to deconstruct Western civilization, of which America is its last line of defense. Because really what we call American exceptionalism really is Western civilization. And there has been a coordinated movement over the last few decades to walk us through a systemic process to undo us. Todd, the word you like to use is iconoclastic, right? Correct. That's your term. And, and that's just a nice, fancy term for people who want to shatter the stained glass windows in your culture. That's just a nice, fancy term for the people that just want to watch the world burn. And we're going to walk you through this process today. What are these worldviews that are competing with the founding worldview of this country, the Judeo-Christian worldview? Where did they come from? How did they get here? And where do they want to take us? And we're going to walk you through a bit of a cultural devolution flowchart today. From step one all the way to step seven. They're called the seven deadly worldviews. And we're going to introduce you to what's happening to your culture and what they're doing to it right now when we return on the Glenn Beck Program. Back here on the Glenn Beck Program, I'm Steve Dace, Todd Erz, and Aaron McIntyre. We're going to take you through these final two days of 2019 uh, in place of Glenn. We do the show after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast, noon to two Eastern. And today we're going to talk about how did we get here as a people? Why is it getting crazier out there? And what are these seven deadly worldviews that I teased earlier? Now, before we get to those, we got to quickly line up, though. Or, or lay out, what's the worldview that founded the country? What, what is that? And a worldview is simply how you see the world and your place in it. How you choose to answer the biggest questions in life. Why am I here? Where am I ultimately heading? What is the purpose of my life and, and human life in particular? Why is the world the way that it is? Why am I the way that I am? And then what can be done about that? Those are, those are the, the factors that make up your worldview, how you answer those questions. We all have a worldview. We all do. It's just a matter of what we plug in to those blank spaces to fill in the blanks. That, that's the only difference is what we plug in there. Now, your country, the one that we live in, was, was founded on a principle that rights come from God. And as G.K. Chesterton said, it was the only country ever founded upon a creed. And what was that creed? It's the opening mission statement of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with unalienable rights, pre-existent rights that cannot be taken away. These are rights that existed before government did. Therefore, government cannot grant that which, or take away that which it did not grant. That's why your constitution begins with the words, we the people, in order to form a more perfect union. The, the constitution was made 
by the people for the people, not the people by and for the Constitution. Of course, if you're going to have God-given rights, then we've got to have an understanding of who's God. Now, your founding fathers came out of an era where they believed, in general, there was only one true living God, the God of the Bible. Now, they had varying viewpoints on what that God commanded of them and expected of them and what they must do in, in response to that. You had the intellectual curiosity of a Thomas Jefferson. You had the theological fidelity of a Benjamin Rush or a Patrick Henry. And then you had the inquisitiveness um, to, to religious cynicism of a Thomas Paine. Not very much unlike the day and age in which we live today. If you were to come over to the Blaze and Blaze TV, you'd see a, a whole lot of personalities that are kind of modern day emulations of all the caricatures I just laid out. There was a lot of diversity of thought. But what they ultimately understood is that they were, if they were going to have self-government, they had to be accountable to something larger than themselves. And that something was going to be the one true living God where our rights come from. And, you know, we're in a time of year where people have a different opinion of what to celebrate this time of year. If you're like me, you believe Jesus is the reason for the season. You may light the menorah this time of year. But ultimately, there is a time and place for us to have those debates. And they're necessary. And it's probably the most important debate of them all. Who is God? But ultimately, we can't live in a civil society with people of pluralistic viewpoints unless we understand to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar and to render unto God that which is God's. And so this is what your founders understood. This is why they put clauses in the Constitution like no religious test for office, for example, because the state colonies were almost all chartered by churches. Well, how were they going to navigate Quakers in Pennsylvania, Catholics in Maryland, uh, Presbyterians and, 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 and Episcopalians in Virginia and, and Baptists in Georgia, Congregationalists in Connecticut. How were they going to do this? And they realized early on that the only way to just go right down the same road of these Christian sects killing each other on the battlefield as they had in, in Europe for hundreds of years, the only way to win the game was to not play. And simply say, you are the master of your own conscience, and you are accountable to your ultimate master for your conscience, not to the state. And the state is not here to play master over your conscience. The state is here to protect and defend your God-given rights. And one of those, chief among those, is your own conscience. And this is how we can get people here on our show, for example, I'm an evangelical. Todd is a Catholic. Our forefathers slaughtered each other for hundreds of years on the battlefields of Europe. We have some deep theological disagreements. And if you listen to our show on a daily basis on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast, you know that without, you know, killing one another, we're not shy about airing them. We even went through the 500th anniversary of the Reformation 200 or two years ago and had this all out in the open, correct? We did. It was fun. Yep. So I'm, proud, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an evangelical. You're a Catholic. Aaron's a millennial. It doesn't get more disparate than that. Right? Okay, he's still trying to figure out as cynically and bitterly as he possibly can his way in this world. Did I have you pretty much tagged? Yeah, that, uh, that pegs me. Yep. All right, so we, we, are, we managed to do this out in the open 
as grown men, we don't hide our convictions and theology from one another. Where we agree, we agree. Where we don't, we don't. But that's in, that's in, the, that's in the sacred arena. In the civic arena, you've got to leave room for differences. Other, and, and otherwise, um, you're not going to tolerate those differences. And when you don't tolerate those differences, that's when you get a lot of the worst pages in your history books. And that's the code that our founders cracked. That's, that's why we have withstood all of the trials and tribulations against liberty and freedom of the last 240 some odd years. It's why we have withstood them here in the United States of America. We came up with a system that said that is for another sector of the culture to hash out. And we're going to give you the freedom to have those debates and to disagree with one another. But you are not to use the coercive power of government to infringe on the God-given rights of somebody else. That's the worldview that established America. It's why we had the Ten Commandments posted in every classroom. It's why they're still posted at the U.S. Supreme Court, which is banning them from public buildings today. It's why your, your politicians say, so help me God, when they take an oath of office. That's, that's what permitted the most flourishing by one culture of human achievement in all of human history, is that worldview. And it is that worldview that is under attack, but not now. This has actually been going on for quite a while. It's just becoming so prevalent now, so systemic now, that we are forced to have existential debates and questions that go beyond the the jobs numbers and the price of gas or what the deficit is or even what the crime rate is. I mean, America has been introduced to black nationalist anti-Semites in New York City and on the East Coast in the last couple of weeks. We didn't even know this existed 10 minutes ago. And now it's in the headlines several times. How did we get here? What are these worldviews? And why do they hate the one that founded America? We'll begin explaining them to you when we return here on the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Back here on the Glenn Beck program. We are the crew from the Steve Day Show. That is me, Steve Day's Totters, and Aaron McIntyre. We are on after Glenn on Blaze TV radio and podcast, noon to two Eastern. And if you want to check us out at Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash days is how you can do that. You can also subscribe to our podcast over at uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. You can follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show, by the way. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, although we're shadow banned there. So give it a shot. Okay, but but we're not going to give much hope that it'll actually show up that you liked us. But you can try it. Uh, you can also email me. If we get into anything these next two days that you have questions about, Please feel free to email me, steve at stevedace.com, because we're going to teach some philosophy and some history here today. And over the course of the next couple of days that we're filling in for Glenn, we're going to give you guys kind of what are the, the twin pillars, if you will, 
uh, the two towers, although we're more with Gandalf the White than Isengard and, and Mordor, but kind of the two towers of our show tomorrow. How do we actually do what we believe? And we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments of Political Warfare. But before we get to application, we first have to talk about foundation. What are we up against? Right? Any, any general will survey the battlefield before he sends soldiers in, if he can. You'll do recon. Even God sent in Hebrew spies to scout the land. So we're going to give you a chance through us to scout the land. We're going to take you through the seven worldviews in order that they have deconstructed your culture to bring you to the point and bring us to the brink that we are at heading into the end of 2019 right now. Some of these terms are going to seem a little, um, you know, uh, college don't let that intimidate you, okay? Um, we'll, uh, first of all, I, I barely made it out of community college and found out when they kicked me out of school, they don't give degrees for playing Super Tech Mobile an entire semester. So if I can learn this material, all right, so can you. Because I'm going to make it as, about as simple as possible for you because that's what it had to be for me, all right? So we're going to start with the help of a good friend of our show, Dr. Jeremiah Johnson. Some of you may have seen him on Fox News the last few years, and he is with Houston Baptist University. He's also the head of the Christian Thinkers Society, correct, Aaron? That's correct. Christian yep. Thinkers Society. All right, he's, you're going to hear his voice in some of these intros as well. We're going to give you a look, a brief look at the very first worldview that began all of this. And it's called Gnosticism. Well, it'll be based on knowledge. Truth is the fact that um, it's um, your own faith, your own beliefs, and your upbringing. We think about Gnosticism, of course, it's based on the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge or indeed salvation through and by knowledge. In short, salvation through a special knowledge. Knowledge that is, as it were, esoteric and it can be acquired, listen, only by a specific few elite thinkers. I think it's a privilege to call yourself a Scientologist and it's something that you have to earn. Being a Scientologist, when you drive past an accident, it's not like anyone else. As you drive past, you know you have to do something about it because you know you're the only one that can really help. The esoteric special knowledge. These individuals who have come up with, if you will, a key that unlocks truth. How do we sift truth from belief? How do we write our own histories, personally or culturally, and thereby define ourselves? How do we penetrate years, centuries of historical distortion to find original truth? Well, greetings, everyone. Thank you for joining me today as we do a tremendous, incredible study on the Hebrew alphabet and God's words. Now, not just God's word, the Bible, but the individual words and letters of the Old Testament. We've seen iterations both in modern times and historical times, but it is at its essence salvation just for a privileged few. Jehovah's Witnesses hold the cross in contempt, feeling that it is nothing more than a pagan symbol used by apostate Christendom. 
when he executes judgment over the world at Armageddon. He will destroy all but the faithful Jehovah's Witnesses. Today I've got a message prepared for you on who are the 144,000. That's a good question. Who are the 144,000? And it's ultimately very self-righteous and haughty. And make no mistake, there is no place for faith and there's no place for grace and Gnosticism. When we think about the, the world of the Bible, that is the world of Jesus and Judaism. We think about the New Testament, 138,000 Greek words. The beauty of the Greek New Testament is it was written in a common tongue, a common language, a rather elemental Greek language that, guess what, could be understood, appreciated, assimilated by the entire world. These things were not hidden to us, we hear in the epistles, but they were revealed for all. In fact, in Acts 4, Peter said that you all are witnesses of the fact, the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Indeed, the gospel is good news for the whole world, not an esoteric view. So that's a brief look at Gnosticism, which is this idea that there is some unattainable or ultimate secret source of knowledge that only a special few can gain access to. One of the first acts of the U.S. Congress, when this country was merely a foundling, was the commissioning and distribution of Bibles. I'll take a little shot at my Catholic buddy over here. It was actually Geneva Bible, because they viewed that as the, the best way to continue the themes of the Protestant Reformation. <laughs> As long as the check clears in the new year, uh, I can tolerate such things. <laughs> so that was one of the first acts of the U.S. Congress was the commissioning of Bibles and the distribution of them. It was one of the main textbooks when, when children were, exec- were, were, were educated, uh, executed. That's a Freudian slip for what we're doing to too many of our kids today. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the, when children were educated at the founding of the country, one of the, the Bible was a primary textbook, one of the foundational textbooks in the 13 colonies than the 13 states, was what's called the New England Primer. I mean, kids were literally taught the alphabet in the New England Primer with A is for Adam, whose sin stained us all. This is how they were taught in the public schools. You want to blow your mind? Go online, next commercial break or after the show. You're going Noah Webster's dictionary here, aren't you? See, we've been doing this all too long. It's It's almost like we share a brain now. Okay, uh, like you even knew I was going to take a shot at you when I mentioned the Bible distributions. Probably you knew that was That's probably a coming. Day that ends in Y. Yes, yeah, <laughs> and you'll get me back later, I'm sure. But um, um, one of the um, um, I forgot what was I going to say. Webster, Noah thank Webster, you, yeah. Noah Webster. If you want to blow your mind, go online and Google Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, his very first edition, and you can go in there and type in words on this site. That will tell you what Noah Webster himself hand wrote in his 1828 dictionary compared to how we define them today. And then words that are in our everyday language in the news that are part of how we do public policy in America today. We're not even in Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary. We go into much more detail on these worldviews and topics on our on our podcast. We've got more time. So today, we, we kind of want to give you practical examples of what all these worldviews are to make it as, this, this information as accessible to you as possible. If you want to know what Gnosticism is in the 21st century in America, turn on the History Channel. I spent a good amount of time Saturday night 
because LSU was just destroying Oklahoma and there was nothing else on, waiting for the other college football semifinal to come on. And I probably watched about an hour and a half of the History Channel doing another, you want to talk about stuff that ends in why? Another endless um, you know, montage of shows called Ancient Aliens. And do you guys know where this whole theory really comes from? It comes from a Swiss hotel manager named Eric Von Donegan. I know I used to believe in this stuff. I used to study this stuff. I used to be into the occult and all of this secret origin stuff. So I'm pretty well versed on it. Eric Von Donegan was a Swiss hotel manager when he wrote Chariots of the Gods 50 years ago. And he's, he is now the mastermind behind all of the programming on the History Channel, which says there's, there's only some very special information that only the special few would know that aliens came here and seeded the earth and we come from them. And if you're not special, then we can't get back to that knowledge and, and acquire it all for ourselves. That's what Gnosticism looks like in your culture today. Aliens are the history channel at Christmas. More of the Glenn Beck program here in a moment. You're listening to Glenn Beck. So let's dig in, gentlemen, the crew here from the Steve Day Show. Let's uh, dig in a little bit more to the first of the seven deadly worldviews known as Gnosticism. The idea that truth cannot be made plain, right? The founding fathers said, hey, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That the idea that we're created in the image of God, that our rights come from God is so obvious. It's as obvious as the nose on our face. It's a self-evident truth. Everyone knows this. They, they close the Declaration of Independence by proclaiming their intentions to the world. They want transparency. They, wa- they want what Madison described as the governor of the universe, God. They want his judgment upon their actions. Because if they're righteous, they think God will bless it. And if they're unrighteous, they don't have any shot of being successful anyway. Doesn't get more transparent than that. John Hancock the legend of signing his name so large that even Mad King George would be able to read it. That's transparency. They walked out of the Continental Congress and just a plain woman walks up to Ben Franklin and says, hey, what kind of government do y'all give us? And he looks at her and says, maybe the greatest thinker in early American history, just walking down the street and says to her, a republic, if you can keep it. This was to be made plain. They wrote letters written for people with an eighth grade education at the time, because that was the age either you had to learn a trade, a skill, daddy's business, or you went off to college. That's why so many of your founding fathers graduated from Ivy League schools at 16. They wrote this for people. They wrote those Federalist letters. They wrote them for, for people with an eighth grade education. This was to be made plain to everybody. They gave us a free press so the truth could be made plain. They gave us free speech so that we could plainly speak the truth. They commissioned and distributed Bibles so that you could know the God where your rights come from. Now contrast that with 
we all came from these aliens we can't name, we don't know. Eric Von Donegan even says his book is made up of 268 questions, and he's just asking questions. And when you point out that his archaeology and scientific research is bunk, well, I mean, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just asking questions. You know, there's a famous figure in history that used that exact tactic to introduce Gnosticism to this world. And the serpent was craftier than all the other creatures in the garden. And he approaches Eve with a question. Did God really say? Are you sure? Are you sure that's male? Are you positive that's a female? Are you sure? Well, I mean, we all know all truth is, you know, everything's relative, which of course is a completely contradictory statement because that is an absolute. So there's already one thing that's not relative, but we know that anyway, right? And this, gentlemen, this is the mustard seed, if I could use that expression this time of year. This is the mustard seed that has become the blooming onion that is the layers of our culture today, Todd. Well, and it's so important to, uh, and and Steve will tell you uh, that, that there's a reason why we're going through these in the order we go through, and starting with Gnosticism, because this is ultimately about that God-killing question. We we laugh at the Van Donigans. It's easy to joke about it, mm-hmm. but we've done that at our own peril. Now for, I joke about it now, but I used to yeah, take it seriously. Sorry, and, yeah. and, and joking about it now is because they count on that uh, on some level because they're above us and we just can't hope to understand. We need to appreciate them what for what they believe at their level and take it seriously because that's the very re- because we haven't taken it seriously is the very reason we're talking about what an Indian and what an Audi is right now. It's absurd that we've gotten to that place, but we they've taken them... Look at Tom Cruise and what he believed in that intro about stopping at a train. They believe it. Yeah, only you because can, I'm a Scientologist yes. do I know what to do. You, no one else could know what to do unless they have the special knowledge that I have been special enough to acquire. But look how far that mindset has gotten to deconstructing our culture because they're deadly serious about it and they are God killers at their heart. Yes, and just very briefly, I mean, there are elements of every single one of these deadly worldviews found in the next worldview that we are, are, are going to look at, every, uh, you know, leading up into, into the last one. And, and there's a reason, as Todd said, why this is the first. It is foundational to every single other deadly worldview. Yes, we're going to reject thousands of years of human history because we have a new special knowledge about what gender is, about what sexuality mm-hmm. actually is. And by the way, we're the people we've been waiting for because we have the special knowledge. Very well said. More of the Glenn Beck program here next. 